This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. White Sox Weekly and a thrill here to be sitting with Senior Vice President, General Manager Rick Hahn. Uh, first question, what are you most happy about that's happened this year? Oh boy, uh, it's a good question. You know, I, I think uh, we certainly made no secret about heading into this season that is the second year of the rebuild that we anticipated being probably the most difficult season of the rebuild. So in many ways, I suppose my expectations were managed going in. Uh, We knew we were going to have some development at the big league level that was going to take some time. And unfortunately, it's not always linear. So there's going to be fits and starts and ups and downs, which we certainly have seen. Uh, We knew that there were going to be some things at the minor league level, some of which were going to go our way. And unfortunately, some of which the baseball gods were not going to allow to go our way. And we've seen that as well. So the year has matched somewhat what I expected, having, you know, obviously studied and, and what second year of rebuilds look like traditionally in this game, as well as where we were as an organization. But still along the way, there has been some fun things, some things that have gotten us excited. Uh, you know, obviously top of mind, given that it has just happened, was, you know, the Polka walk-off and the fact that a kid who probably was on nobody's radar screen, certainly a year ago at this time when he wasn't even in the organization, much less even opening day, uh, is going to wind up leading the team in home runs, uh, as well as how much, you know, White Sox Nation has really embraced this kid and, and related to him. From that's a, That's a fun story from a from a long-term positioning of the rebuild standpoint, there was so much excitement in the room when we were able to get Nick Madrigal. There was so much excitement as you saw Dylan Cease start after start, not only take the ball every fifth day, which was really all we were looking for from the kid, but grow stronger and dominate and wind up being named minor league pitcher of the year. Uh, Obviously, you know, anytime you get a clip of Aloy doing what he does on the field, uh, brought some excitement about the future. And, and that's just stuff at the minor league level. I can go on and on about watching the Winston-Salem dash play, in, uh, both in the first half and the second half, when they essentially were two different rosters, more or less, uh, wind up winning both halves down there in the Carolina League and, and showing a, a 
uh, glimpse of what potentially is to come here in Chicago in the coming years. Uh, limited even just to the big league level, uh, the progress that Tim Anderson has made, as a, especially on the defensive side of things, has been has been remarkable. Uh, the work ethic this kid has has allowed him, uh, along with the help of guys like Joe McEwing and other coaches, to to really take a step forward and, and bodes, bodes very well for his future, not just as a defender, but uh, as he continues to grow his profile as an offensive player. Uh, having Carlos Rodon back healthy and throw in free and easy and, and even just seeing the look on his face where it's like not worried about his health and knowing that he's capable of fulfilling uh, you know, much of the promise that, we, that this kid has had unfortunately and been set back by injury for much of his career, but now having that knock on wood behind him, that makes you excited for the future. And, and without belaboring the point even further, the, the, the development of guys like Ronaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito, especially over the second half, and, and knowing that they were each going to probably take some lumps along the way, and Lucas certainly took more than his fair share in the first half. Uh, but seeing each of them grow as starting pitchers and enter the, enter the 2018-2019 offseason, knowing that they've established themselves as big leaguers and that next year they're going to be able to build on that and, and continue to blossom as, as uh, solid, reliable pieces of uh, potentially a championship rotation in the future. So you just hit on a million things, and, I, and, and, and I've got questions on all of them, but I want to do a more broader question. Some I, people are – I think sometimes you think that, like, the fans are getting impatient. I don't personally get that sense. I could be wrong, but I'm kind of curious, like, for yourself, sitting in the seat, like, are you impatient? Like, come on, let, let's, let's get this here. So, uh, I mean, I think the fans see all this progress, and they're hoping that you're going to add on what, what makes sense, and, and people get what the White Sox are doing. But, you know, for you, sitting in the seat, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, you know – First of all, you're absolutely right in terms of the fan response, and and I've made no secret about when we started down this path, our conversations with Jerry and Kenny and, and Scott Reifert, who's head of our, our PR, Brooks Boyer, head of marketing, none of us really knew how it was going to be received. We, you know, it, There was always this myth that White Sox fans wouldn't tolerate a rebuild, they wouldn't, wouldn't accept it, and they, we could never rebuild. But obviously we felt it was the right thing to do for the organization, regardless of what that response was going to be. The response was fantastic, like way better than I could have anticipated. And part of it is probably facilitated by the, the day and age we live in, and you can actually see video of a prospect or you know the college draftees before you acquire them or high school draftees before you acquire them. Uh, and when you make a big trade, you can immediately know the kid's ranking and go see him yourself on video and get excited as well about it. So that probably helps to an extent. Uh, but you're also right in that when I say, you know, we're going to have to be patient this year. It's the second year of the rebuild. We've got to let these guys develop. We cannot force anybody to Chicago who isn't fully ready. Uh, I'm in part talking to myself. You're absolutely right because uh, fundamentally we are, we are fans as well. That's how we got into this game. That's how, whether it's uh, in the front office or in the media or a player, a coach, or, you know, anyone in the stands. We all want to see – not only a successful product on the field, but we want to see it sooner rather than later, just by human nature. Uh, so when I do talk about patience, it, it is it is accurate, but you're right. The audience is broader than just the fan base. It's myself and those of us in the front office, too. Uh, we we got to do this thing right. And as satisfying as it might be to get player X to the big leagues quickly because of the fanfare that comes with them, uh, and the sort of shot in the arm, so to speak, to the rebuild process or the, the satisfaction for the fans or our, and ourselves, 
if it's not in the long-term interest of putting him in the best position to succeed and the organization in the best position to win championships in the future, we got to pass on that short-term gain, as satisfying as it may be in the short term. Let me remind back to the first play you talked about, because I, I am a part of the Palkamania Nation. <laughs> it's probably who I tweet about the most. And I'm, you know, I don't know, and, and you don't either, what, what the future holds for him. But here's a guy, 27 home runs, 26 years old, getting an opportunity, hitting baseballs harder than 95% of people in baseball. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what do you see him as going forward? I don't have the answer to that yet. I, you're absolutely right. Um, he very clearly has a plus-plus power tool. Uh, that was part of what drew us to him. That was part of why John Tamania, one of our scouts and others of, uh, in our pro scouting department, recommended the waiver claim back when we made it, was here's a left-handed bat uh, with plus power who has uh, the ability to, to do some serious damage to balls he hits. Uh, I think, frankly, as, as gratifying as the power is, I think you're going to, in the future, probably see an even more well-rounded hitter out of Daniel. Uh, you see it, uh, again, last night when he had the, the walk-off against Cleveland. Uh, that was a situation that didn't necessarily call for a homer, as nice as a homer would have been. He just needed to stay in the middle of the field and drive the ball, and we were going to get a game winner, and you saw that. Uh, his performance in the clutch or in late situations, you, you see he's unflappable, and you having spoken and spent some time with Daniel, you, you know that's who he is on and off the field, and that's going to serve him really well as well. So although he does have that carrying tool, and then in all candor, that's what drew us to him of the plus power, I think in the future you're going to see uh, a little bit more well-rounded hitter out of this kid. I think he has the tools and, and the makeup to to do that. And, and if that continues to progress, you're, you're going to have a very interesting offensive player on your hand. And these are the decisions where you're looking towards the future and there's the now, but you have sort of the luxury to let him develop along with this. We do, we do. And then you certainly saw it this year, uh, not just with Daniel's opportunity, but sticking with Lucas when he struggled earlier in the year. Uh, you know, some of the opportunities we've given to some of the young guys in the bullpen, for example. I mean, there, there's, uh, it can make it difficult at times, which is what we talked about heading into the season. It can make it difficult at times on a nightly basis to stick with these kids and let them take their lumps. But that's how you learn about them, and that's how they learn what they need to do to adjust. And not everyone's going to be able to do it, uh, but the ones who have proven to themselves that they can make adjustments at the big league level uh, tend to be in the best position for the long term in order to continue to grow and reach their potential. In Daniel's situation, you know, he, his was simply about an opportunity. We had we had ABs to to give him, and he made the most of them. And he, uh, you know, and, and helped spread Pulkamania all throughout uh, not just Section 108, but all throughout Chicago. <laughs> well. Uh, let me let me go to Giolito here. And so one thing when you guys scout guys is how hard they throw and all that stuff. But the other thing is like you're going to struggle at some point. How are you going to handle it? What's and that's a real difficult thing I think to just to, to figure out because you know you're going up against the best in the world. It's not always going to be roses here. So did you have confidence that he was going to be a guy that could handle it when things didn't go his way? You know we you're you're hitting on makeup with the short term phrase we all use in scouting is makeup. Uh, and part of that is how is a player going to handle adversity. It is very difficult. Our scouts do a fantastic job using a myriad of sources to try to get at a player's makeup. Uh, what makes a player tick and how are they going to respond to adversity or even success, which can change people as well. Uh, but you never really know until you have a guy. 
and you're with him seven days a week and you see the ups and downs, you see him pitch when in Giolito situation where he doesn't have his best stuff. Uh, we're, you know, early in his White Sox career. He doesn't have the velocity that he's accustomed to having. He has to use other weapons to get guys out. Uh, and our scouts did hit the nail on the head with regards to his makeup in terms of how seriously he takes his craft, how diligent he is in uh, trying to execute a plan, how open he is to instruction and help. Uh, his use of uh, advanced metrics at times to, to help him enhance his performance has been very beneficial and that goes back to uh, the intellect which our scouts alluded to uh, not just as an a not just as a pro but even going back to an amateur when he was at Harvard Westlake in a first round pick back in the day so it is difficult it's something we we prioritize as as a scouting organization on the amateur and the pro side probably most clubs do too uh, but our guys do do a nice job of that, and, and more often than not, once we've acquired a player and we truly get to see what he's about, uh, they tend to meet those, those at least meet, and in many cases even exceed uh, what our guys expected of him from a, from a makeup standpoint. Let's move to Moncada. Are the strikeouts you know, 1 to 10? Is that a 9 concern? Is that a 2 concern? Where, where, where do you come out on that? Uh, I'm, I'm on the lower end of the scale. Uh, obviously, you don't want to see anyone striking out as, as, in that high of a percentage of the plate appearances. It's not totally shocking given his development path and what he's done at the minor leagues in terms of his strikeout rate. And I think an important thing not to not lose sight of is when you look at the players on the list of those who have struck out as much as Leon has this year, there's some pretty damn good players on that list. Uh, you know, on the other side of town, Chris Bryant struck out 199 times in his rookie year, which is certainly more than anybody uh, wanted, but did not in any way derail him from becoming a, a superstar player in the future. Uh, I think there's things to learn about Yohan's approach based on, uh, based on the strikeouts, based on how they're getting him. Uh, the fact, you can't ignore the fact that he has 70-some-odd looking strikeouts, and the second leading guy, I believe, is about 25 lower than that in the league. Uh, so clearly he is, you know, he's got a fantastic eye. I, no one wants to take that away from him. Uh, but he has also seen what happens if you leave it in the hands of the umpires all the time. They're going to see things a little bit differently from time to time, and you're going to pay the price for that. Uh, I will say that when you look at a player who strikes out as much as he has this past year. Uh, I would much, much rather have it be a player who profiles like Yoan, that being someone who really, really knows the strike zone. And a way for him to perhaps cut down on those strikeouts would be being a little bit more aggressive on pitches in the zone that he can handle. If we were dealing with a player who was striking out at that rate, who was striking out at that rate because more often than not they were expanding and chasing and trying to do something on pitches that no, they can't handle, that would be a problem. That would be something. It, it's much, in other words, it's much easier to get a kid who knows the zone more aggressive uh, on pitches in the zone that they already know are in the zone than it is to try to keep, teach a player to rein in that aggressiveness. That time and again, you've seen very athletic, very raw players who expand too much out of the zone and they get themselves in trouble. That's not what we're dealing with here. Uh, so, again, I, I'm not overly concerned with the strikeouts in the future in large part because of how they're occurring and what needs to be done in order to bring them down a bit. Uh, I also don't want to lose sight of the fact that, you know, we're talking about a 23-year-old 
uh, who three and a half years ago wasn't even in the States playing professional baseball, uh, who still uh, has a absolute world of talent and is still developing. And, and you line them up against players on that strikeout list. You line them up against some other players who are now MVP candidates and look at their first five, 600 pro, pro plate appearances and Moncada stacks up just fine with them. All right, let me ask you about Eli, and I'm not, I'm not asking when you're coming. I actually really don't even care. Like, everyone who's been free, like, he'll be here when he's here. All I care about is that he's good. So my question is, how good is he? You, no one's literally listening. Because uh, I feel like, you know, he hasn't – he just keeps on – I know that these things are not linear normally, but with him so far it has been for the most part. Yeah, you know, with him it's been linear. He, he's sort of proven being an exception to the rule so far. We, uh, I think I've said publicly, and if I haven't, I don't mind sharing it, we did expect when he made the jump from double A AA to triple A that there'd be a little bit of an acclimation period. Just based upon, you tend to see a little bit more prospect level stuff guys at double A. And in triple A, you see a little bit more veteran types. You certainly have those up and down guys who are sprinkled in. You tend to see a little bit more off speed and guys who, you know, command it a little bit better and can exploit a guy's weaknesses a little bit better than, than the prospect level stuff guys you see in double A. That's a, that's a general rule. So we thought, you know, young 21-year-old hitter might be exploited a little bit at AAA. Yeah, that didn't happen. He uh, <laughs> he responded very well uh, to the AAA pitching and what they were trying to do to get him out and, and perhaps performed even better at AAA than he did at AA offensively. Uh, you know, I, I see once again he's on the cover of, of Baseball America this week with a big electric on front of it, and uh, I guess I'll let the, the numbers and the, and the publications do the speaking as to uh, – how good this kid can potentially be, and I'll, I'll just let uh, continue to echo the things that you've heard from others and, and from myself and Eloy's heard from us. Uh, we couldn't be happier that he's going to be a Chicago White Sox for a long time. That's awesome. Uh, and I want to go back to Moncada's side because you, you were just talking to the media and somebody threw out there that, uh, you know, could he play another position, and you got Nick Madrigal, who you love, and who knows how far away he is. But I'm actually just curious, like, where do you, could he be in – also an outfielder? Is it would be elsewhere on the diamond? How would you see that? I mean, he could be, yes. Yeah. The, the short answer is yes. Uh, do I think that's likely? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at the, the tool set, the athleticism, the, the arm strength, the foot speed, yeah, he has the tools to handle it. Uh, you know, obviously he played some third base for the Boston Red Sox when he first came up out of sort of necessity over there. Uh, I know it was something he also played as an amateur and, and that he enjoyed. So there are options with him. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here on that. Uh, I'm a, as with the media scrub earlier and now, I'm answering the question. Honestly, yeah, he could conceivably play another position because of the skill set. Uh, that said, I do feel like he's made a fair amount of progress as a second baseman this year, and he does despite some of the earlier season errors and, and uh perhaps pitch-to-pitch focus concerns. I think we've seen a lot of improvement there over the second half, and I think that he uh, can reasonably project as an above-average defensive second baseman should he stay there for the entirety of his career. All right, a couple off the fields here. Favorite athlete for Rick Hahn growing up in this city, Nutra High School, could be baseball, could be football. I, you know, For me, it's Michael, but that, that's a, that, was, that was an easy one. I mean, Michael was – you know, obviously a god among us, and, and we were both blessed enough to be growing up here at the same time that the Bulls were dominating. So he's he's almost like an unfair answer because right. he's just like, you know, maybe not even a once-in-a-generation talent that we were lucky enough to happen to be in playing for our favorite team. Uh, 
you know, I, I was a big McMahon guy. That's a little bit cliche, but I was entertaining as could be. Uh, certainly loved the that '85 Bears defense. You know, the the uh, uh, Otis Wilsons of the world. I was crushed, crushed when the Bears lost Wilbur Marshall to the, to the Redskins. And it's funny. I actually tell people like one of the things I've lost in this job, like when the Bears lost Wilbur Marshall to the Redskins, I was apoplectic. When when the Bulls lost Horace Grant to Orlando. I, I couldn't understand what they were possibly thinking. I've lost the ability to be like just, for lack of a better term, like a meatball sports fan and just think the front office are a bunch of idiots who don't know what they're doing because on this side of the curtain I've learned that, you know what, there's a lot more going on into these decisions than what may publicly be known, uh, whether it's off-the-field issues or clubhouse or health or economics that just, you know, aren't privy to the – public knowledge so uh, I have those very distinct visceral feelings when I was young about decisions that my favorite teams made on my favorite players growing up and and I guess it's a small price to pay but that's one thing I've lost in this position is you know the Hawks uh you know the Hawks moved Brandon Saad and I'm just like hey a lot going on there that I don't know about bummer to see him go <laughs> it sucks becoming an adult is what is is what I, on some level there's you know there's other good things to write growing up uh all right Hawk Harrelson, um, you know, leaving, and he'll be around, of course, too. But, like, you know, we were talking about makeup and whatnot. So guy like that who TWTW, and then he also goes with, you know, sabermetrics as far as, uh, you know, you got to, well, at least to a point where, like, there's a place for that is what he'll say. Uh, you know, just overall you blending it together in, in, in your spot where we, we talked a little bit on makeup. Like, would you, is that a is that a big challenge? Or do you think you have like you know I've got I have a nice balance of where I can judge a player on both sides of like what he's got in his heart and also everything else. Oh, I think as an organization we do a real nice job at that. I, you know, and this goes back before me. I mean, going back to not only when Kenny was general manager, but right right when Kenny was named general manager before I started with the White Sox. Uh, you know, obviously he comes from a former player background, a scouting background, a player development background, former football player in college. So, you know, the the video analysis is what he's most comfortable with. He likes to see the tape of a guy when he's making his evaluation, and, and it plays to his strengths. But one of the first things he did was he promoted Dan Fabian to be the head of sort of our objective analysis, for lack of a better description, because he wanted to sort of augment that area of our operations, knowing how strongly he had the – you know, more subjective evaluation side covered. Uh, you know, me with a different background, you know, more analytical background, more education background, and not blessed with the playing background, you know, I, I tend to personally take a little more comfort in the objective analysis. That's where, you know, in my mind, ties are broken uh, between perhaps the subjective and the objective. But, you know, one of the first things that I did is when I became GM is we significantly expanded our scouting operations, both on the amateur side and internationally, domestic amateur and internationally, uh, so that we could have that more breadth of opinions on that subjective side. And, you know, we part of it is knowing your scouts and knowing – uh, I don't know if you call that objective or subjective when you evaluate your scouts and know their strengths. And when uh, person X uh, has a gut feel on a, on a pitcher, you know their track record and know their strength with similar such pitchers, and you trust that, just even if the numbers don't necessarily back up that, that, that move. Uh, so it's, it's been a balance ever since I've joined the White Sox organization, and I think it's one that uh, – you know, we've tried to perpetuate here in the in the recent years. Right, two more, uh, and you you touched on this, but I just want to get here it again one more time. Uh, you're going in the off season. 
You've said you want to augment pitching. Um, so we're looking starters, relievers. I, I, we'll be in the market for both, I think, in the end. I, 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 we feel we're very optimistic about what Giolito Lopez and, and Rodon can bring to us in the rotation. We obviously have Dylan Covey, who has shown some really good starts against some real tough opponents over the course of the year. Uh, but And we also feel good about players, like I mentioned, like Dylan Cease and Dane Dunning and, and, and Jimmy Lambert and other starters that we have coming, Jordan Stevens, the list goes on that we feel good about coming. But we don't want to be in a position to rush any of them. Uh, we want to, if, if we find ourselves in a position of having too much pitching, fine. I'll take, we'll take that problem. That's, that's like they said out there, it's like being you know, too good looking or too wealthy. We'll, we'll figure that one out. We'll, we'll fight through that. Uh, but we are going to have to augment the staff, both in the starting and I think probably in the relieve, the bullpen as well, uh, so that we have some options to, to throw in the mix and rely upon in the, during the 2019 season and perhaps beyond as these young players continue to develop and, and come to Chicago. All right. I, one, and one and one and a half. Number one, uh, this uh, right after us today is uh, a huge game at Ryan Field. We got, uh, and I, I don't know where your allegiance is here. You got, you grew, you went to Michigan. You got no, no, no question. question. There's no question. It's Michigan. It's Michigan. And 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 I, I boxed myself into that in like '96, I think it was, when I was at Ryan Field or what it was called, right, right, the Dyke Stadium, Stadium at the time, uh, for a Michigan Northwestern game, and I was rooting for Michigan. And I remember it was in October, the playoffs were going on, and a bunch of my classmates in business school were really rooting hard for Northwestern despite going to a different undergrad. And I was like, you can't, you know, come in, you know, carpet bag in here and make Northwestern your, gra- your grad school team, the team you're going to live and die with. That's not right. You went to an undergrad, that's who you stick with. Meanwhile, I think Michigan, I think they literally blew like a 20-point fourth quarter lead and lost the game. And so all my buddies were over the moon, you know, having fun, time of their lives out there. And I'm sitting there dejected because I made this big freaking speech about being true to your school. So now Michigan's, Michigan's my team. All right. And last one, you know, I just try to imagine myself being you here. You you grew up here. You're the general manager of the Chicago White Sox. Like that's unheard of in your hometown as a sports guy. Rooted for Jim McMahon, who you mentioned him. Like, so do you? Can you do you enjoy it? Do you, can you sit back for a second and be like, wow, I'm this is pretty cool that I get to sit in this office and and do this job in this city. It's a great question because as stupid as it sounds, it's very easy to lose sight of that. Uh, obviously, you know. It's, the job's challenging. People understand that, I think. It's not necessarily more challenging than any other job out there, but it has its challenges. Uh, being a general manager, that is, not necessarily GM of the White Sox. So you can lose sight of that in any job. I'm sure you look at being here, working in WGN, and the excitement that uh, you think back to 12-year-old you, how awesome that would sound to you then, but you probably on a daily basis can lose sight of that from time to time because of the normal trials and tribulation that comes with the job. I'm lucky in that I have two sons and the 15-year-old and the 13-year-old, and sometimes I get to see the world through their eyes and realize that, like, hey, 12-year-old me would be pretty excited about the way things played out here, and maybe I should take a beat to try to enjoy that. So I, 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 I do try to do it, but I'd be lying if I said I'm, I'm really good at it. I, it's something I have to remind myself through to do, and, and uh, with the help of my kids, it does, it does happen from time to time. Well, Rick, really appreciate it. And congrats on all the success that you had this season. I know everything wasn't perfect, but you had a lot of them. And uh, best of luck in a great offseason. And we'll see you at spring training. I'm ready for spring training right now for the record, but uh, have a great offseason. Sounds good. I appreciate the time. Thank you.
Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.